0: China loosened its lending rules to stimulate its economy overnight, and US and European stocks surged again on hopes for central bank rate cuts soon-ish. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, and on the eve of tonight's ECB rates decision, ANZ's head of G3 economics, Brian Martin, reflects on the 25th anniversary this month of the birth of the euro.
1: The fact that Croatia did join the euro 12 months ago is a positive sign showing that confidence in the currency across Europe still remains very high. About 70% of European citizens think that the euro is a good thing and brings with it positive benefits.
0: But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ, China moved overnight to loosen lending controls on its banks to help stimulate the economy and support both its stock market and currency. The People's Bank of China cut its reserve requirement ratio for banks by 50 basis points. That was the biggest cut in two years and frees up banks in China to lend an extra 1 trillion yuan. That's 140 billion US dollars. The news came on top of solid flash PMI data for US and Europe, which encouraged rallies in stocks in Europe and the United States this morning. That's on top of a 4% rise in China's stocks last night. Here's ANZ's Head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, this morning from London on the market action.
1: I think the fact that the central banks are all expected to start easing policy this year is really enticing investors into equities early on in this year. Sentiment, and we've just seen it in the PMI data, is improving, so the growth outlook is improving. So I think people are becoming more confident in a soft landing for economic activity that other than a hard landing or recessions, and there also was the uh, announced triple R cut of 50 basis points in China that helped to stabilise the Chinese stock market. And I think that's just rippled through, and followed through into the stock markets in Europe and the States being stronger today.
0: Number two, the S&P Flash PMI surveys, which measure business sentiment in January, were also seen to be backing hopes for soft landings. Here's Brian again. There
1: was quite a smart pickup in the preliminary January PMI data for the US. Uh, The index rose to 52.3 from 50.9 in December. That was led by an increase in services. And manufacturing also rose quite strongly from 47.6, I think it was, to back above 50 to 50.3. So that was an encouraging sign for the manufacturing sector at the start of this year. There was also a pickup in the European PMI, but more modest than in the United States. There was a mild improvement in the manufacturing sector, which picked up over two points, but still at 46.6, remains significantly below 50, and tells you that that sector of the economy is still struggling.
0: Number three. Now, in New Zealand, inflation figures were in line with market expectations. But there's still a strong pulse of domestic inflation that the RBNZ will be wary of, says ANZ New Zealand economist Henry Russell.
1: We think today's data showed enough progress on getting inflation down to stick with our call that the first cut will be delivered in August. While progress on domestic inflation isn't happening as fast as the Reserve Bank would have anticipated or did anticipate back in November. We are seeing clear progress on the core across the core measures of inflation. All core measures of inflation are now at 5% or below. So that's a meaningful step down from where they were and should give the Reserve Bank confidence that disinflation across the rest of the year will, will continue.
0: Number four. The key thing to watch tonight is the European Central Bank, which is expected to hold its policy rate. Here's Brian on how last night's soft PMIs will be something the ECB has to refer to.
1: It tells you that the economy is really in a stagnant phase of the business cycle at this stage. And I think as growth stays very low at the moment and below potential, that is indicating that we are going to see future reductions in inflation and probably quite swift reductions in inflation. And I think that's going to set us up for interest rate cuts in the spring of this year.
0: Number five. And finally, in New Zealand this week, the Reserve Bank has proposed the introduction of debt-to-income multiple controls on new mortgage lending, but has offset it with a loosening of LVR restrictions. ANZ New Zealand economist Andre Costain says the combo will help support demand for housing in the second half of 24, just as interest rates are likely to be cut. But it will also constrain any sort of boom. (music) Now, in part one of our bonus deep dive interview on the 25th anniversary of the euro this month, ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, says it's remarkable the euro is thriving, despite drama galore. When we look back,
1: you had the GFC in 2007-2008, followed very, very quickly by the debt crisis uh, which ran through uh, 2010, 2011, 2012. Then we've had Brexit, then there's been the war in the Ukraine. There's been the current inflation uh, difficulties, uh, there's been the pandemic, Um, yet Europe has somehow managed to come closer together, even if growth hasn't been that great. And I think really at the root of that, bedrock of European stability very much has been the single currency.
0: Yeah, I see that uh, Croatia has uh, joined the euro in the last year and despite what we saw in 2010 to 2015 with the dramas around Greece, it still seems to be strong, growing and as essential to the whole European project as it ever has been.
1: Absolutely. And I think the fact that Croatia did join the euro 12 months ago is a positive sign showing that confidence in the currency across Europe still remains very high. About 70% of European citizens think that the euro is a good thing and brings with it positive benefits. And I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that. If we look to as recently as the war in the Ukraine, very large increases in energy prices and in inflation, small economies might not have been able to deal with that. So if you look at the economies, particularly in the Baltic states, they saw a very, very intense inflation shock. They, by the fact, have interest rates, raise interest rates an awful lot more than the European Central Bank ended up doing so in order to defend their currencies. So I think that's one example of where being a member of the euro, uh, where that size and that stability that was brought about by that has been a very good thing. Similarly, in the pandemic, highly indebted countries like Italy, for example, had to borrow an awful lot of money in order to keep the economy going when it was closed down and to support businesses and households get back on their feet. It would have really struggled to have done that if it was not part of the euro. It would have found access to capital markets that significantly more difficult. And that could have led to all sorts of really long lasting economic difficulties and currency depreciation over time. So they were littered with, I think, really positive examples of where the euro membership has benefited economies in difficult times.
0: One of the concerns about the euro when it was launched was uh, the risk that you weren't seeing fiscal policies unified in the same way the currency was unified. How, how has that worked out? And are we any closer to that You know, unified fiscal situation linked to a unified currency?
1: Fiscal policy remains an issue for the euro area and whilst we've had monetary union we haven't had fiscal union. So debt levels across the euro area vary very significantly from you know 150 to 170 percent of GDP in some countries uh, down to very low levels uh, in other countries 10 to 20 percent levels. So You don't have that fiscal harmony. And I think that continues to be one of the criticisms of the single currency, uh, that you don't have a federal union. You don't have, therefore, a really common fiscal policy. And that ultimately over time means that the degree of integration across the economy can never match uh, what you have in other federal unions like in Australia or in the United States. And therefore, the currency is going to be vulnerable. And indeed, that has been one of the key reasons why, over time, You often get speculative attacks against the currency and a sort of lot of speculation in the media and indeed amongst some economists that it's an unsustainable monetary union because the currency will ultimately crack. However, that hasn't proven to be the case at all.
0: Brian Martin there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was Five and Five with ANZ for Thursday, January the 25th. Now, we're not on tomorrow because it's Australia Day public holiday, but we're back on Monday with part two of that interview with Brian, where he talks about whether the euro has really become a counterbalance to the US dollar as a reserve currency. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.